Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Tune in each and every Friday night at 6 p.m. Pacific and 9 p.m. Eastern to Unfiltered Real Talk Radio on the ULR Network with your host, Nisha Lene, as we discuss everything about relationships. Guests will include writers, coaches, relationship experts, organizations, and many more. Stay in the loop of who will be our featured guest, juicy conversations, and free giveaways by following our Facebook and Instagram at Unfiltered Real Talk Radio. Hello, hello, and welcome to Unfiltered Talk Radio. I am your host, Nisha Lene, and I thank everyone for tuning in. This is your first time tuning in to Unfiltered Talk Radio. Again, I'm your host, Nisha Lene. And just a little bit about me, I am from Los Angeles, California. I am a writer, an author, a publisher, and of course, I'm your radio host. Tonight, we'll be talking with author Shaka Adams about her pretty girl movement, also about her books, A View from the Bridge, and a view from Bonham. Just to give you a little bit about Shaka, she was raised in the heights of New York during the drug area era. Shaka pulls her personal experience and perceptions in her writing. She's dubbed the new face of urban literature. Her journey began in New York, infamous Queen Bridge House. Um, despite witnessing the consequences of life on the streets, this self-proclaimed hood nerd still found every opportunity to place herself in the heart of them. Although she skipped, she skated through New York's magnet school programs for talent and gifted students, the hustle of the streets was what appealed to her the most. By the age of 17, she was a high school dropout and just another product of her environment, so they thought. It wasn't until her mother was stricken with terminal, multi- terminal illness that Shaka decided to make, her, uh, make a change in her life. She enlisted in the United States Navy. We thank you. Want to definitely thank her for that, her service in the Navy. And with time away from the street, she placed herself back on the right track. After the military, she enrolled in Temple University, where she selected for the highly compensated Gates Millionaire Gates Millennium Scholarship from the Bill Gates and Melinda Gates Foundation, administrated by the United Negro College Fund. During her senior year, she was bitten with a writing bug, and started working on her first novel, then titled A Ghetto Paradise. Things were looking up for her writing. writing. Prior to receiving her Bachelor's of Art in Communication, her mother died. The loss hit the inspiring author hard. The blow was was intensified once her father died eight months later. Her dreams were put on hold while she coped with the pain. Despite her setbacks, Shaka graduated with honors from Temple University and landed positions in Fortune 500 companies through her professional career excelled, her true passion for writing remained dear to her heart. In 2003, Shaka decided to finally tell her story, not only for her, but for the younger girls who followed behind her. Her her debut novel, a fictional autobiography she now calls A View of the Bridge, caught the literary industry by surprise and quickly became a bestseller. With the release of his follow-up, A View of the Bottom, Shaka is well on her way to solidifying her spot as a voice to be heard. And this time, there's no stopping her. We definitely want to welcome her on the line. She has a full 60 minutes to talk about um, the things she's done in the past, the things she has currently going on, where she sees herself in the future. So I want everyone to welcome Ms. Shaka Adams on the line. Hey. Hi, Hello. Mia. How are you doing today? I'm doing terrific. It's a gorgeous day. Um, the, the weather is gorgeous, not this inauguration, which I did not watch. But um, other than that, I'm doing amazing, and I'm just really happy to be here with you guys. Thank you. So you are originally from New York, but you're currently residing in Atlanta, correct? Yes. I am a, a New York apple, um, but now I've become a Georgia peach by um, – by default, I guess, uh, I moved here to Atlanta um, in 2005, and I've just 
it, this is my this is my home. It's my forever home now. Um, but you know, I, I'll always have my New York roots. Can't ever shake this accent. But um, <laughs> but you know, Atlanta's where I call home now. So. And how was the adjustment coming from New York to Atlanta? Well, I mean, it's, like it, really didn't, it, it really wasn't an adjustment because I'm, I'm telling you, New, Atlanta is like a little New York. Like everybody is from – everybody – I, I really meet people who are actually from Atlanta. And tonight I um, volunteer – I do a lot of volunteer work. So I volunteered at the Boys and Girls Club. Um, and, of course, you know, all of those kids were born in Atlanta – and it, they're, they're, like, laughing at me, like, you talk funny. And I'm like, well, you talk funny, actually. But um, <laughs> everybody I meet from down here is from, like, New York or Chicago or, some you know, someplace else. Like, hardly anyone is actually from Atlanta. So the transition was really easy. Um, it's it's just – it's a place that I, I always say, like, in New York, you're a, you know, a small fish in a big pond, whereas in Atlanta, you're a bigger fish in a smaller pond. So – it's just that the opportunities are great. It's a black city. Um, you know, like it's, it's, it's just amazing. It's a lot of entrepreneurs here, um, a lot of black owned businesses. So I just found my forever home. The transition was simple, actually. That That's definitely good. Cause I um, definitely though I visited Atlanta um, in October for an event and I definitely um, certain parts. I felt like, like this looks and feels just like, you know, LA. <laughs> Um, so yeah. I definitely, which is my home. So I definitely uh, understand that is that a lot of people do navigate and travel to Atlanta because of the you know high end entrepreneur and black owned businesses and the support and just being able to be being surrounded by the movement of entrepreneurship and everything. Yeah, it's definitely a mecca. It's a mecca, and um, it'll be the setting of. It, the funny thing about it is none of my books, my previous books, have been um, set in Atlanta. Um, I believe the la- the last one had maybe like one small Atlanta scene, but they were never set in Atlanta. But my next book will be set in Atlanta because I, I try to, you know, when I when I write, I I try to write very authentic um, and write from a place that I'm in. Um, and so now that this is pretty much home, you know, I want to definitely write from this experience and, and have this setting. Um, so that's, you know, definitely my next books are, are going to be placed, prob- you know, in Atlanta. Okay, I truly understand. And when you were gathering to move, um, how did you select Atlanta out of, you know, in going anywhere else? How, what, how, what made you choose Atlanta? Um, just the opportunity. Um, I, I had, I, when I, I left New York when I was 18. I joined the military, um, but I only stayed in the Navy for four years. Um, but so that had me, you know, move from from New York. So I was, you know, I was, I was ready to just up and go. I've always been kind of an up and go type of person. I'm not that type of person who's like, oh, this is what I'm used to. I don't have like a comfort level. Like I'm just, you know, hey, like I, I have no problem with getting up and starting over and and setting my, you know, my anchors somewhere else. Um, so uh, I moved to um, Connecticut when I was in the Navy, and I went to um, a two-year college in Connecticut. Um, and then I, after that was over, I got the Gates Millennium Scholarship, and I went to Temple University in Philadelphia. And after graduating from Temple University, um, I started working for a company that was headquartered in Philly but has offices, like, all over the world, all over the country, and so um, I had custody of my niece and nephew who were eight and six at the time, um, and I, I, you know, I wanted to get out of Philly, um, wanted to go south, wanted someplace that I could get like a bigger place, for, you know, more bang for my buck where the cost of living was cheaper and the schooling was better because I'm raising two kids at this point, um, and so, you know, I just kind of looked at a map through a, you know, pretty much threw a dart at the map and decided where I was going to land is where I was going to go. And it was Atlanta. So here I am. And I haven't okay, looked back. That's so definitely it good. good. It was a good move. It's mm-hmm. definitely good. As someone who's interested in moving to Atlanta later on this year, that's definitely good to um, hear, you know, different people strive to move to different places and be able to adjust. Um, I, I never have a problem adjusting in other states because um, growing up, my dad moved us to different states. So I've lived in different states. 
So I don't have a problem, whereas, uh, you know, I can have a conversation with some of my cousins who've only lived here, and they're like, I will, you know, I can travel other places, but I can never live anywhere outside of California. This is where it is for me, where I have I have experienced that. So it's like, oh, well, I don't have a problem. I can adjust, like, and I, and I want to live elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I definitely feel you on that. Now, um, mm-hmm. you did make a statement in your bio that I actually didn't read um, during your introduction because I did actually want to speak with you about it. You wrote, when I was growing up, my parents were heroin addicts and we were dirt poor. People got killed in the middle of the playground. I was just a little girl watching from the shadows. My only escape was through the world I created with my stories. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, being another person who comes from um, addicts' parents, um, I started writing to escape the madness that was around me. When you were younger, was the story that you created, was it something to change that your view of what you was actually seeing or were you writing about what you actually saw? Um, for me, it was, it was escapism. I was writing about kind of what I, want, what I wished life was, what I wished um, I, I, I would create just different stories of, like um, I, I've always had an affinity towards when when I when I was growing up, you know, I, I grew up in a project, but um, my mom and dad were heroin addicts, but they they were functional, um, so they made sure that um, that they got us out of the projects. And I remember always going like to the city, and my mom would pack a lunch or whatever, and we would go to Central Park, which is the you know the, the staple park in New York. Um, and we pack a lunch and go to Central Park, which is in Manhattan, and it's like in the ritzy area of Manhattan. And as we were walking to the park, I would see, like, just so much affluence, and I'd see, like, people sitting outside eating, like, at restaurants, sitting outside eating. And I remember, like, just always, I was always like, I want to do that when I'm younger. I mean, when I'm older. I want to be that person. I want to go out and eat and sit outside. Like, I just thought that was so cool. Like, it was just, like, such a rich thing to do. So then I would go home, and I'd write a story about, like, going out and and sitting out and and having dinner at a nice restaurant, but sitting outside and stuff like that. So it was just, I I never really wrote about what, what I was experiencing in real life, because that's what I was living. So to me, writing was always an escape. It was always an opportunity for me to be somebody else, someplace else, somewhere else. So I didn't have to really face what I was like growing up and seeing. Um, so my stories as a writing as a child, it was never about, about me. It was, it was always about the me I wanted to be. So, um, yeah, I, I wrote about things that would take me away from where I was. So in, in every story I ever wrote and my brothers will tell you like, well, we had a two bedroom apartment and my mom and dad had one room, of course. And then my brothers and sisters and I were all in the other room. And, um, my sisters are, are, are older than me, about seven and six years older than us. Um, and I have a brother um, who was raised in the house. My brothers that were raised with us, um, one is older than me and one is three years younger than me. Um, so we were really kind of the ones who were actually, like, growing up together um, because the older sisters, they were on, they were kind of doing their own thing. And I used to write stories in my notebooks and keep them under my um, mattress and my brothers would always go under my mattress and take the stories out and start reading them and I would like fight like tooth and nail like get in my stories because I just didn't want anybody to read that like in my head I was somebody different or you know I was experiencing life in different ways um yeah so I don't know I've, I've always written as a way to escape and, and just to be something different I definitely understand that because, like I said, I when I when I was younger, I wrote stories about um, families that were different, things that were different than what I was, you know, living. Instead of, you know, um, I live with different people to, you know, help support my dad when he was raising us and his struggle. And so I would write, you know, stories about having our own house, having our own, you know, room, and and, and yeah, all sorts yeah. of things. Mm-hmm. And that's what. And that's what things that kind of, you know, help cope with, you know, what you're going through as a young kid because you don't know, you know, how to how else to express it. Um, and I come from a very big family, and that's a kind of judgmental family. So you didn't want to really share those personal thoughts. So 
fighting became what was for me. Right. Definitely. And, and I think that's what writing, I think a lot of people use writing as that tool. You know what I mean? So it, it's definitely an escape. And I've always been a reader. Um, so I've, I've taken that opportunity, reading books and stuff like that to be like, oh, okay, well, you know, this is, this is also going to help me escape where I am. So, you know, a lot of yeah. people, it's funny because some people, some people absolutely hate reading, which I, I'll never understand. I think as, as, as soon as I learned how to read or I realized I knew how to read, like I was reading everything. Like I would read the signs at the train station. I was reading like every billboard, everything, like the, the, the toothpaste, I'm, I'm reading it. Like everything that I could read, I would read. So like my friends used to be like, Chaka, why do you got to read so much? It was just like such a loving thing for me to do because when you read, you can't really deal with every with reality because you're reading something and it's just, it's an escape. And, um, and I think that's why I've, I've always had an affinity towards reading and writing because it's just always allowed me to escape. So I write some of my best shit. Can I curse? Or, yeah. Uh, no. Okay, great. <laughs> You're fine. It is unfiltered radio, right? So anyway, yeah. So I write some of my best shit when I'm, you know, when I'm like, when I need to escape from from my own brain because there's a lot of stuff that goes on in this brain. So you know, I I just I it's 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 an escape for me. I totally I totally understand that. So you deem your your novels, um, the first two, um, fictional autobiographies. When you say fictional autobiographies, is it loosely based off your life? Like, is there some things that happen that are not um, uh, necessarily happen to you? Um, I can neither confirm nor deny. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I I think it's and I call it a fictional autobiography because, of course, that's such an oxymoron. Um, but um, you know, I I. Again, I write from from I, I write things that have happened to me um, and things that I've seen in my life and just kind of mix them and mess them all up. Um, there are some things that are definitely embellished um, in, in the stories, um, and you know, names and stuff have been changed. So it's it's not. I wouldn't say it's just my story. I would say it's the story of me and and women who grew up like me or women who look like me or women who have walked in the you know in the same roads that I've walked on um which are a lot of us so I, I like to think of it as just a combination of everyone's story but just told from from my point of view okay and I like the way definitely I want to around that right right <laughs> <laughs> um I definitely like the um titles of your books Let's go here. You have a view from the bridge. So I know you grew up in in New York. So why was what made you select that title? Because originally you titled it a ghetto paradise, correct? So yeah, it was to a view of the bridge. Paradise. Um, well, I'm from Queensbridge, so if you don't know about Queensbridge, it's the largest housing development um in the United States, um, and I think it's like the second largest in the world, or it might be the largest in the world, um. There's 96 buildings, six blocks. It's home to like so many, um, so many storytellers. We got Nas, Mob Deep, MC Shan, Roxanne Shante, um, uh, Capone. Um, you know, Meta World Peace is from Queensbridge. Like, you know, it's just um, we have other writers who have come from Queensbridge: Johnny Monroe, myself, um, um, Shante. So it's like. I wanted to pay um, homage to the place that I was raised, um, that raised me, basically. And it was a view of the bridge. And so many times, just in the hip-hop culture itself, you know, everybody knows of Queensbridge from a man's point of view. Not too many people know about Queensbridge from a woman's point of view. So um, I came up, like, and I don't even know how, it just hit me one day. And it was just, like, a view of the bridge. Like, it because it is a view and it's of Queensbridge, and so it was just like you know a view of the bridge, and the cops, um, the cover of it, the cover of the um the book, I actually came up with just the the concept of it. I didn't I didn't put it together. That was put together by um hot book covers, and if there's any other authors on here, um they do great work. But 
Um, it was put together by Hot Book Covers, um, and I, I, I just wanted to pay homage to where I was from, and I knew that Queensbridge was just definitely, um, you know, a, a, it's it's a it's a staple. It's a you know, it's a it's a monument in and of itself. And so that's kind of where I came with that. And then I was like, I could really, you know, I, I've always wanted to create this as a trilogy. So um, a view of the bridge happened to, you know, take place when the, this character or, you know, when I was in Queensbridge. So it's a story of a girl in Queensbridge. Then the next one is a view of the bottom. Um, and at that time, that was probably the lowest point of my life. Um, and it was definitely the bottom for me. But again, the cover is still Queensbridge um, focused because that's where my roots are. And that's what I'm, that's where I'm writing from. That's, that's what I, that's what I come from. Um, so and then the next one is A View of the Top. So kind of the, the titles just started rolling off, just started rolling off once I came up with A View of the Bridge. And that just kind of happened just, it was very organic. It just happened, you know? So that's that. Well, I definitely like both of the titles, and I and I love the cover um, because, like you said, it's a fictional autobiography. So I like that there's a young girl in the story, and then there's, you know, an older woman just to show that, you know, the story takes place to show the lifespan of, a, a, you know, a young woman going through the struggle. Oh, yeah, that's the second one. That that one is so near and dear to my heart because um, if anyone on the call has, I mean, on the, you know, who's tuned in has read that book, um, that book, it it goes back and forth. So you you get a um you get the story as told from Chaka to the, the grown Chaka, and then you get the story as told from Chiggy, who's Chaka when she was much younger. Um, and that's the, the little girl. <laughs> They're both me, but that's the little girl that's on the um the thing. And it just tells you how because I think so many times we see women and like go through whatever they go through and we don't take the time to understand how did they become this woman? How did they become this person? Like what happened in their life to make them make some fucked up decisions? Like what, what happened? And so I I definitely wanted to tell the story of who I was as a child that brought me into becoming the woman I am, you know, why did she sit back and, and take abuse from Malik or what made her, you know, just think that her life only ex- existed to be a drug dealer's girlfriend. Like, why was that her goal, you know? And, and and in order to understand that, from an authentic point of view, you had to go back and, and just get to know the, the younger person. Um, so I, I really enjoyed that. It was it was hard writing from an 8-year-old's point of view um, because, you know, I'm far from 8 years old, but it was fun nonetheless. I liked that. It was, it was good. I, I loved that second book. I love the first book, and it's, it's, I guess it's kind of like a parent. Like, you can't ever pick, like, well, this child is my favorite, you know, but um, I just love both of the books for different reasons, I guess. Yeah, that definitely, that, that definitely comes with the territory. So mm-hmm. you are the founder of Pretty Girls Read, an independent publishing imprint created to empower women to write, read, and communicate effectively. Yep. Let's I talk started about Pretty Girls Read. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I started that because I, you know, I, I, I'm I a fan of Ratchet TV. I watch, like, you know, like everyone else, you know, I watch the love and hip-hops and the this and the that and the, and the Ratchet shit. I like Ratchet stuff. Um, <laughs> but it was just, to me, it felt like, like, women like me were not being celebrated um, or like just women who, who, you know, it wasn't celebrated to be smart. It wasn't, you know, smart isn't, you know, wasn't being like, oh, well, she's bad and she's smart or she's sexy and she reads, you know, like it was just, there was never an emphasis on, um, on reading or being smart or, or articulating correctly. Like, there's never really been that emphasis. And so I'm watching all of these reality people, you know, walk around with like a million pairs of red bottoms and, and just do it for nothing. Like they're not, you know, like doing a lot or, you know, in a world, like I, I always say, in a world full of Instagram models, you got to really respect the smart women who are like working and, and have worked for everything they have. And so 
I wanted to create something that made it cool to be smart. It made it sexy to to be educated or to read a book instead of, you know, getting all your information from Snapchat and Instagram. Like, pick up a book, read a book, you know. And I wanted to bring some kind of sex appeal to that. So if you see my logos, you'll see, like, she's, you know, she's sitting there with, with a book in her hand. Um, she's got on red pumps. You know, it's a sexy silhouette. Um, and it's just Pretty Girls Read. I just wanted to bring, you know, just to bring some kind of sex appeal to being smart because being smart and reading to me is sexy as hell. Like, there's nothing better than a chick, you know, I'm walking down the street or I'm, you know, on a beach or something and I look over and there's a girl reading a book. Like, to me, like, that, that's like the, the best thing that I've ever seen. And, um, or, you know, I'm on the train or I'm on a plane and, and you know, there's a sister opening a book and she's just sitting there and... That to me, just it, just seeing women reading and 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 writing, um, you know, it's just it's so empowering. And I wanted to create something that that just fell in line with how I felt. And so, Pretty Girls Read came about, and 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 I used that to publish my first book, my well, my first and second book, and um, also you know help with editing. Um, any other uh, authors who have come up behind, you know, have come up behind me and have wanted to publish their books or get their books published, um, it's a publishing imprint for all, for all women. Um, so that's really just kind of how it came up. I just, I just wanted to bring sexy to, to, to smartness, I guess, and combine it too, or reading and, yeah, and making totally that understand. sexy. Mm-hmm. I totally understand that because, you know, you do get the, you know, there's a lot of the world of these very, very beautiful women hearing all this, but it's like they're dumb. They're dumber than a doorknob. <laughs> let's right, just be right, real right. so it, it definitely is you know an honor because like you said a lot of the women that are pretty and smart don't really get recognized because maybe she's not bad enough but come book wise she can outsmart you know 10 of those girls you're trying to holler at so I definitely mm-hmm. like that um and I and I and I don't shame that I empower women I just feel like um a lot of women have let the perception of men damage their their thinking to support another woman. They have let these men, you know, invade their mind that you're bad and she's not. So they, they become in the exception. They got these 500,000 followers liking their picture. And, you know, so they have this exception that they're, you know, they're prettier or something. And it, it took their mind to support another woman, to tell another woman she's beautiful, to know that we all are look different. We all are different shapes, but we're all beautiful. And so I definitely commend you with that because um, a lot of women just don't think they're pretty anymore because of a lot of reality TV and social media. Um, I was talking to a girl the other day, and I complimented her on something, and she just, like, you know, smiled coy. Um, and then after in talking in conversation, someone else told her she was pretty, and she was just like, um, he just he just trying to get in my pants or something. I'm like, no, you're a really pretty girl. And it made me think, like, <laughs> some women don't think they're pretty. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the thing, like, and, and, and that's why, <clears throat> excuse me, I use a silhouette. So you don't see a face, you know what I mean? And and what I, what people don't understand is like to me pretty is not and and sometimes and, and it upsets me at times when people take the logo the wrong way or the you know the the um the name of the company the wrong way um, because you know what what's pretty to me is a mind like that's pretty like that's beautiful that that's something that can never change looks can fade physical attributes can fade all of that can go away at any given moment. But what I love the most um, is that once you're intelligent, once you read a book, you read a book, that's something that's always going to be stuck in your head. Can't nobody, any, nobody can ever take that away from you. So you read something, that's something that, that you're always going to have. I can read, you know, I, when I was little, I used to sneak and read my mother's books. She used to have like Donald Goins and um, Iceberg Slim and Stephen King, Daniel Steele, the um, BC Andrews. Yes, yes, classics. Now, mind you, I'm a little kid, but I knew that my parents was always reading, so I, I would read all of their books. And Donald Goins is my absolute 
favorite author of all time, and and I'll say that in front of Oprah. I, I don't care. Like I know he's not like you know somebody that's like a you, that you would think is a literary genius, but to me he is. Um, but me reading those books, nobody can ever take that away. I can wake up tomorrow and not look the way I look physically, but am I? But but I'm still bad as hell because. I've I've done read so many books. I've I've gained all of this knowledge from reading, and that's really what it you know what I wanted to convey. And that's the message I wanted to convey with 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 everything. So, yeah, that's that's where it came from, and it's just it's just I I love you know using it, and I love how women have accepted it. You know, surprisingly, I didn't think that it would be as popular as it as it as it has been. You know, where people want to wear the T-shirts, they want the bags, they want, you know, they they want this, they want the hats. Like, every time I come up with something different, people are like, yo, where can I buy that? Where can I get that? And it just makes me so proud that women want to really showcase that, you know, look, I, I, I'm a reader, and I'm bad as hell because of it, so... I definitely, when yeah. I first seen the picture, and it's a picture of you, and it has a shirt, and I was like, I need one of those shirts, because, you know, like, I can be, um, for instance, at work, you know, when it, they hear I'm a writer, they're like, you read and write? Like, how can you do that? Like, oh, and I'm like, I'd love to read. Like, I would rather read than have a conversation with you. And <laughs> one of my coworkers actually got offended by that. And I'm like, don't get offended by that. But, you know, that's just, it's just who I am. It, I've been reading since I've been a kid. Like, and I'm like, reading, I'm like, can take your mind off so much. I was like, I've literally been on the bus before reading and missed my stop by like five stops. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's funny because um, I, I remember when when my first book came out. Well, every time I've ever dropped a book, um, I, like I'll have readers tell me like, "Yo, I was on the train and I missed my damn stop," or i you know, I was here and I missed my stop because I was going to your book." And I'm like, "Well, hey, that's what I want you to do, you know." So you you like you said, right. like, reading will take you someplace else. It'll take your whole. It's it's not just a, a mental thing. It's like the mental physical everything emotionally like you just go somewhere else and as a writer you know you go somewhere else with writing too and and that's a scary thing (laughs) as well because my books Um, have taken me to some really dark places like really dark places um that I maybe had forgotten about or didn't really want to revisit but you know you have to revisit and and for me I I write all of my books by hand um I've I've never just sat down and typed my books up. Like, I don't I've, – I've tried, but it's, like, it's something about feeling the words come out of your hand. And so I've been – you know, I, I write all of my books. Like, I have, like, like hundreds of notebooks around the house. I mean, if anybody see me, they think I was, like, a, a hoarder or something. But <laughs> it's because I write everything by hand because, you know, you – I guess when you – when I, I was told that because paper is, you know, paper is made from trees, so it was once a living thing. Um, so when you when you write on paper, you're actually writing on something that you like. It's it's something that was alive at one point, and it just, I don't know. It's just it's so much to me. It's just like uh, I just I, I love to write it out, and then of course I'll go back and type it all. Um, but you know. I write it all because writing helps me escape as well. Um, So, you know, definitely reading will take you to some different places and you'll forget where where you are um, emotionally, physically, mentally, but so does writing too. So, Yeah. I very much can contest to that. Stories about writing, boy. Oh, my God. I can definitely contest to that. Um, And it's so funny that you say that because I'm more of a freestyle writer. So I can sit, you know, most of the times I can sit at the computer and the ideas just come and I'm just typing and I'm just typing. Um, but with my current book that I'm writing, for some reason I get to the computer, I get sleepy, I don't know, I, don't, I just don't know. I can go pull out my notebook and it's just flowing, it's flowing, it's flowing. And I was like, wow, that's so different for me because all of my, I have four published books and a whole bunch of unfinished ones that's, you know, in the computer. But I've always been able to just sit and freestyle. With this book, it's something about it. It's pulling me to take me to my notebook and to write. And that's just what I've been doing, which is totally yeah, well, that's good. for me. Mm-hmm. And I think more or less I'm lazy. I don't like the double work. 
because I have bad arthritis in my hands. But I mean, um, <laughs> I'd be like, well, yeah, even though you gotta write it and then so go back and type it. Yeah, you write it and then yeah. you go back and type it. Yeah. Well, um, that's how it was. Um, even in school, though, even in school, I did pretty much the same thing. I um. I would, like, write up, you know, like, essays or whatever and handwrite them. And people, even teachers would be like, you know, you're wasting your time. You're duplicating your efforts because now you have to go and type it up. But when I write it, like, when I write it, everything comes out better to me, I guess. It's just it's just a different feeling. I've, 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 I think with one of my books, I tried to just go in and just start typing shit. And it was just like, when I went back and read it, I'm like, come on, yo. Like, this is not... This is not real. It's not, it's not like, I don't feel, I don't feel it. I don't feel connected to it. Um, so, yeah, I, I changed that up and started doing it, you know, the the other way. And writing right, and, and like actually I saw writing. It, uh, so, yeah, you should try, you should do that. You should do that more often. I'm telling you, you'll, you'll like it. Yeah, because my process normally is I freestyle, um, you know, my first draft and go through that. And then I print out the full first draft, and I go and I, it's, so it's a printed copy that I print it. I have, I get these bold colorful pens, and I go back into my editing and writing, and then do go from there. And that's just um, something that's developed over the years of being a published author, um, and learning my troubles and tribulations with editors and editing, and just to go back and every time I create a new novel, I want it to be better than the last novel. I want, you know, things to, I want to, you know, sharpen my craft and definitely become a better writer. Mm-hmm. So everything, so this is a new stuff for me, writing it out first and then typing it in everything, but it's something that's getting done. Um, I downloaded it. Someone else told me about Scrivener. So, um, that has definitely been a great app with me handwriting because I didn't handwrite chapter 10 where I want to have in chapter 10 and I ain't wrote from six to, you know, 10, what I want to occur to get to chapter 10 from chapter four. But so with that app, you can just go in and create verses with the words, you know, you got to go back and fix everything. So I've been liking that. Yeah, it's a, it's a good feeling. I enjoy it. So let's talk about, first we're going to go to a quick commercial break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking about what Shaka has planned for 2017. I do know you just booked a speaking gig, so when we come back from commercial, we want to talk about that speaking gig and all of those new things you have coming forth in 2017. Yes, 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 I'm excited. It's already an amazing year, and it's only day 20. That is that is wonderful, actually. That is definitely great. So we'll go to a quick commercial. Just give me one moment, and we'll be right back. Too many women get trapped, settling for dead-end relationships. Break free from carrying dead weight into the holiday. Latoya Hart is a love and relationship mentor with the keys to help you cleanse your life of bad boys, cheaters, and commitment phobes. She is helping hundreds of women break free from messy relationships and live the life they deserve. Head over to www.latoyahart.com and join the four-week breakup boot camp for just nineteen ninety-nine. We are back on the live. If you had missed it, we are. I am your host, Nisha Lene, and I am live call with Shaka Adams, the author of several titles and the publisher of Pretty Girls Read. Um, before we went to break, we did mention Shaka does have an upcoming speaking engagement, so we want to talk more about that. So, Shaka, tell us a little bit more about the speaking engagement that you just booked. Um, yeah, it'll be. It's called the Leader Lead Hership Conference. So. You know, it's leadership, um, but we've um, included a her angle in there. Um, so it's Lead Hership Conference. It is um, in New York in March um, because, you know, that's Women's History Month. Um, and it's just a group of um, Darlene Aikens actually pulled us together with Darlene Aikens and Associates. Um, and she does, uh, she manages um, lots of public speakers, gets them scheduled on at different events and stuff. So, she put this conference together to just really um, provide women with a voice um, and, you know, an opportunity to uplift each other. Um, she is 
in New York, actually. So that's why the, the conference is going to be there. Um, and it's just a great time to just come out. Um, there, there'll be a bunch of vendors there, um, women-owned businesses, other women um, who are, uh, you know, just doing some phenomenal things. Um, we have doctors and, and all types of women, business owners, that are, that are going to be there just kind of share their stories and, and provide some motivation and inspiration for, um, you know, our, our sisters, um, especially when we're in this, this political climate with, you know, um, a, a now person who's sitting in the president's seat who thinks it's okay to grab women by the pussy and stuff like that. It's, we just have to really just come together um, as women and show that we have strength. Um, I, I think that, you know, women, especially black women, we, we don't come together enough. Um, and so this is just a, an opportunity. This conference is an opportunity to really showcase some women who are making phenomenal strides, who are really, um, you know, making significant changes and, um, it's, you know, providing some, some mentorships and, 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 um, you know, motivation and inspiration to, to everyone who's kind of coming behind them. So, It'll, it's just a great opportunity to network and, and get your sisterhood on. Um, come out, enjoy your day, have a, have a great day. Walk, you know, go home with a goodie bag full of stuff from all the vendors who are attending. Um, and it's just a good opportunity. You might meet, you know, a business partner there that you would have never met anywhere else. Um, so, yeah, it's it'll be. I, I'm I'm really excited about it. I love to, as you can see, I I probably haven't shut up long enough for you to ask many questions, but um, <laughs> I like to talk. I like to talk. I like to read. I like to write. Anything that can do with communication, I like to do it. So um, this is, again, this is just an opportunity for, for more women um, to connect and to build and to build, you know, to, to build with each other. So that's what this leadership conference is in March. Well, that's definitely good. And I definitely um, congratulate you Congratulations. Congratulate you on that. Um, I don't know. I'm super tongue-tied today. Um, congratulate you on that. Um, and I hope it is definitely is something that's very, very good for you because um, it does sound like something wonderful, and I wish I would have known about it because I probably would have tried to be in New York um, because I'm all about women empowerment. Um, you know, coming from a shaky background, my, you know, um, within, you know, so I'm all about uh, mentoring the younger generation and being that person um, – now that I needed in my life when I was younger. Mm -hmm. So I definitely um, commend you on that with, you know, your strides in doing that. Um, You are working on a new book. When can we be expecting, without giving too much of your information away, um, when can we be expecting a new book from you? Well, the new book will definitely be out um, this year. I'm trying, I'm going for um, the beginning of summer. Um, it will be out this year. It is a complete break from the, the it's not part of the trilogy. Um, it's just a brand new book. I I, I will finish the trilogy. Um, like I said, I have a view of the bridge done, a view of the bottoms done. Those are out. And then the last one in that trilogy is a view of the top. But I needed to take a break, um, to take a take a step from away from that and kind of come back to it. But I had other stories kind of brewing, so this is just a story that is, you know, all new characters, all new settings, just everything is just completely new, and, you know, a lot of my readers have voiced like, oh, we don't want new, we want to know what's happening, you know, people get attached to characters like they do to regular people in real life, um, and if any of my readers are, are, you know, listening on air right now, um, I definitely will come back to the trilogy. So you'll find out what happens to, you know, to Tata and to Detective Salerno and all your favorite characters um, and Malik. Um, but this next book is just, it's, it's a completely different um, avenue for me. I don't want to be, I don't want um, I don't want to say pigeonhole, but as a writer, I don't want to be put in a box. You know, I don't want to only write one type of book because I read all types of books. I'm a really big fan of um, like thrillers right now, um, like Gone Girl and Girl on a Train and The Good Girl, like, you know, like just different types of books like that. And so my new book is more in line with with a thriller. 
um, something that you would never, ever expect um, with twists and turns and plot twists and all types of different crazy things that go on in my head have actually come out on paper. So my next book is not going to be one of the trilogies. The trilogy will be finished, um, but my next book is not part of that trilogy, but it is a a new one. Um, And again, I'm, I'm really, really excited about it. Like it's, I think it, it has challenged me as a writer, but it's also going to um, just open me up to a completely different audience um, and expose my writing to that um, as well. So I'm excited, and, and I know my readers are going to love it. Like, they're, they're going to love the growth um, that I've had as an author um, and just the, you know, the, just the different spin that, that, this book is gonna, that this book is coming out with. Um, and I also have a children's book coming out this year, too. So that's my first. Oh. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. This, my niece, I have a niece and nephew, um, Layla and Nassim, um, who have seen uh, my new book, um, as well as um, Nico and Naraya, who are my friend's children, who are, who are pretty much my niece and nephew as well. Um, and all I keep hearing from them is Chaka. When I'm not going to say the name because the, the name of the book is amazing, by the way. Um, but, you know, that'll be something that I, that I put out once I put the book out. But um, it's a children's book. It's a, it's a chapter book um, for kids. I'd say between ages 8 and, like, 14. Um, and, it's, you know, and that will be a, a complete series. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited about that. that. That's been a fun experience. But, again, my nieces and nephews are all like, when is it coming out? When is it coming out? Because they've seen the first pieces of it. Um, and, you know, this one is for them. So I wanted to, do, I wanted to challenge myself and, and do something different. And so I've challenged myself in two different areas this time, you know, this year to come out with a book in a completely different genre than the urban lit genre. I love my genre, but, um, you know, I, I, I don't only write urban lit. Um, so I'm coming out with a book outside of the urban lit genre, and then I'm coming out with a children's book. So it's just two different opportunities for me to really showcase my skills as a writer and, and get my readers to see that, like, I, I'm here for the long run. Like, I, I'm going to change it up. I'm going to change shit up and put some new shit out and, and just, you know, keep it, keep it, keep it moving. So, yeah. That is definitely what you have to do. And I definitely commend you on all that. Like writing the children's book, stepping from your, you know, stepping out your comfort zone um, to write different things. For me, I think I will always write, um, I won't say, I don't know, because I definitely think urban fiction and street literature are different type of novels. A lot of people argue, I mean, different type of genres. A lot of people argue me on it, but that's just what I, my perception of it is. Um, so I and I definitely like writing. Um, I think my stories will always be centered around um, in an urban setting, um, mm-hmm. and and I just think it's it just comes from who I am. Um, but um, I don't necessarily always have to write about drugs and you know violence and everything. And I think that's where the street literature comes in versus urban fiction because urban is just an area where you happen to live in you know what they deemed an urban area. But it doesn't you know, necessarily mean every urban fiction book contains streets, violence, guns. Um, an urban fiction novel can be the woman who's working, who just, you know, happens to grow up in maybe in the hood, but she got a job. She working nine to five. You know, she's not no hustler's trap girl. She ain't no hustler's wife. And so I think for me it's just a, a difference. And a lot of people, like I said, a lot of people argue me. I mean, I posted on Facebook a couple, maybe about a year ago, and it was, the comments were going crazy, and I was just like, it's all on perception of how you perceive it. Right. Right, and it, it is. It's a, that's a good way to look at it and a good way to see it. Um, I think there's definitely two different, um, you know, two different ways of looking at it. So you could definitely have the, the urban lit and then, you know, street lit. They're, they're two separate things. I, I, I give you that, definitely. Um so I, and, 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 and I respect that you, you know, stay true to that, and, and that's the genre that you want to stay in. Um, I just, I, me, I just want to just, I want to try something different and see how it goes. And I think I'm a big fan of, like, James Patterson. James Patterson is cute. Like, that's one of my um, favorite authors and Dean Koontz and stuff. And, and you know, and I definitely want to be 
in in that in that um in that space eventually. So sometimes I just you know I want to challenge myself. I'll definitely I'll, I'll always write from an urban um, perspective, and I'm sure that you know I'll, I'll can still continue to write books um, that are urban lit and definitely street lit. Um, so you know it, I I think we don't we don't have enough genres that you know that we're represented in so hopefully um you know we can expand and and get into different genres and stuff yeah okay so let's do a quick um rundown so without giving it much thought who are your top five authors my top five Mm. your top favorite five favorite authors (laughs) well like i said donald goines definitely um, John Grisham, uh, Stephen King, um, hmm, Maya Angelou, and Toni Morrison. Those are probably my okay. top five. And name to um name two authors that if you had the chance to collaborate on a title or a series with them, what are two of the top authors that you will be interested in collaborating with? Alive or not? No, just in general. <laughs> they um, don't have to be alive. I mean, Donald with them Goins, not being alive. Like Donald Goins, Donald Goins, Donald Goins. I would write a book with him any day. I, I would, I would, if he were alive, I'd, I'd love to write a book with him. I'd love to read another book from him. Um, so I'd say Donald Goins. And then um, John Grisham. Okay. And all of his books go, like, multi-platinum. You know, they, they are, like, <laughs> multi-million-dollar movies. So, yeah. <laughs> I can't lose with that. No, I like John Grisham. Right? I, I like him. Yeah. Okay. So we know that you can write all your books. But during a writing session, what is the writing session for Shaka? Do you need some music? Do you need TV? Do you need complete silence? What is your writing setting? Music and wine. And, yep, that's it. (laughs) Music and wine and and loud music and loud rap music. Like, I listen to hip-hop. I don't listen to this new junk they got now. Like, I'm not. um, I don't know what that stuff is. I don't know what that is either. I don't even know the dances and the whatever. Um, so I'm not listening to that, but give me some Jay-Z, some Nas, some Biggie, some Eric B. and Rakim, some old school hip-hop, some real hip-hop, Jadakiss. Like, give me some dirty hip-hop and some some liquor, some wine, something. <laughs> um, and that's it. And that's my writing session. I typically, um, I usually burn um a white sage uh just because it clears the space it clears my brain it just brings me to that to that space i need to be in so i'll burn my white sage matter of fact when i get off this call that's what i'm going to do tonight i'm going to burn my white sage i'm going to play some music i'm going to pour some wine well i'm already drinking wine now um <laughs> but i'll pour some more wine and um just you know start writing um but that's that's a writing session for me i need to really groove out like it's crazy because when I was, like, in school and I would do my homework and stuff, and you know how, like, when you had English class, because I sucked in math, but English class, like, growing up, and, and you know, I'm, I'm a little bit up there in age, but, like, we would have to read a story, and then we would get, like, seven questions that we have to answer, right? And so, you know, most people will put, like, really quick answers, like one sentence. Um, but when I was growing up, my mom, when we came home from school, we had to sit down. We didn't have that type of mother that, like, you come in, you have a snack, you watch some TV, you go outside, then you come in and do your homework. Like, nah. It was like, you come in, you do your homework. And my mother was always big on music. Like, she played music all the time. You wake up to music. We went to sleep to music. You come home, you do your homework. There's music playing. She's cleaning. It's music. She's in a sad mood, it's music. She's in a happy mood, it's music. Everything in my house was music. Like, everything was music. And we had this thing called the hi-fi, which was like a, a, just a, an old, old record player 
radio station or whatever. And it was a big wooden thing in my mom's house. And it was gorgeous, but, you know, it was like a hot bottle. It wasn't playing no CDs or nothing in it. Um, <laughs> and so my mother would just, you know, we come home from school, put your bags down, sit at the table, and do your homework. Um, and then she would always have her music playing. And it would be, like, loud and good music. She didn't give a fuck that, like, all right, we need to concentrate. She And, her, and she felt like music was something that, that really helped. I guess it helped her concentrate, so she instilled that in us. So I would go to school and, like, read, you know, and have these amazing practically essays for each little question. Like, they could be like, what color was John's shirt? And my answer would be like, John wore a red shirt because in chapter 11, like, I just had all of these answers for just because I just wanted to write. And I remember one time um, my teacher – Ms. Rosenstein, I'll never forget it. She was like, you know, I had to read my, my question, my answer to the class. And she's like, you know, everybody should take notes from Chaka, whatever she's doing at home for her homework. Um, she's really paying attention. She probably goes there and, you know, and they probably turn off the televisions and it's quiet so she can concentrate. And, um, you know, Chaka, tell us how you do your homework at home so that the other children in the class, so the other students in the class can, can, you know, really understand how they can be better and, and do homework better. Like, you know, I'm sure that you have a very silent place. And, and so, like, she asked me that, and I'm like, well, no, my mother always listens to Marvin Gaye, or, like, I just was like, no, we listen to a lot of music. And after that day, the teacher never asked me another question about how I do my work again, but that's just kind of has, has stuck with me. So in order for me to write, I have to have music. Um, I usually turn it off in the editing. Um, while I'm editing, just so that I can, like, really read and make sure the words of what I want them to say. Um, but when I'm writing and I'm trying to create something, I need music, and I need liquor, and I need my white sage, and then I'm good. Okay. <laughs> Very nice, mellow, and relaxed. Mm-hmm. Well, it's kind of crunk. It ain't mellow and relaxed. It's crunk. Like, I'll be having <laughs> Yeah, I play some hip hop to 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 rival anybody's playlist, but um, yeah. So. <laughs> okay, and before we um, the time is trickling down. Shaka, tell the readers and listeners where they can find you. You can find me. My website is um, www.prettygirlsread.com. On Instagram, I am Chaka Writes. Twitter, yeah, Chaka Writes for Instagram. Twitter is a whole nother story. It's Twitter is just Saka. Um and my, my Facebook page is the pretty is Pretty Girls Read, um, or Chaka Adams. So you can definitely find me there. I accept all um requests to follow me and I follow everyone back and, and I'm very interactive. So the talking that you're hearing now, like it happens all the time. Like it's not because I'm um on the the show, which I truly appreciate you having me on the show. But I, I really I'm, appreciate I'm, you coming on the show. Oh, it's great. This and is amazing. What you're doing is amazing. And, like, you should be applauded. Like, you're you're doing something. You're spotlighting authors and, and you know, people who just have a love for reading and writing. And, you know, your, your listeners, um, you know, congratulations to you guys for even being here. And thank you for being here. And I really hope that we connect and that, you know, you don't let my little blabbermouth um, kind of push you guys away. I'm just I like to talk, and, and I just and I'm really just so happy and excited to be here, and I'm in a great place in my life. So, hopefully, you know, you guys will follow me and, and connect with me, and let me know that you met me here, um, and and I'll definitely be around and, and get my books. My books are on um, Amazon.com. Um, they are in, on, in Barnes and Noble. They're also on BarnesandNobles.com. Um, you can get them with Kindle and Nook as well. And on behalf of Unfiltered Talk Radio and on the Urban Literary Network, Shaka, we definitely want to thank you for coming on um, and talking to us and giving us a little bit of insight and background on, on the author because a lot of times we just see this, you know, PRs and posts and uh, their links to their books, asking people to buy, and we don't get to know the background and everything on the author. So I definitely thank you for being able to come on this show and give us just that. Um, thank everyone for tuning in to Unfiltered Talk Radio and listening to Shaka. Um, it's truly appreciated because without you guys, we wouldn't be able to have this show going. 
Um, we want to thank our sponsors, DC Book Diva, Concrete Rose Publication, Love for the Lockdown, Unfiltered Talk, Allison Dees, Tamika Monique, um, Author Rocky. Um, and on behalf of all of us on our network, we thank you so much, Shaka. We wish you the best in 2017. And hopefully when I visit Atlanta this year, I will definitely get to meet up with you at the, um, at the book events that I am actually doing in Atlanta this year. Um, and again, we oh, wish yeah, you the best great. and a happy writing I'm to tonight. Take you out for a drink, definitely. Yeah. Well, I'll definitely be there in July. I believe it's July, and I'll be there. Okay. So, with all that said, we will not be back next Friday in celebration of my birthday. Catch us February third. February third, we'll be back with Casey Anderson. You guys enjoy your night, Shaka. Thank you again, and you guys have a wonderful day. Thank you. Bye. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.